Welcome to the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast, Ask the Expert Edition. I'm Andy Hibble, the Chief Operating Officer and one of the co-founders of Higher Ed Jobs. And I'm Kelly Sherwin, the Director of Editorial Strategy. Today, we have Dr. Christopher D. Lee, a Managing Director at Storebrook Search, author of several books, and a former Chief Human Resource Officer with many years of higher ed experience. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. My pleasure. So today's Ask the Expert question is, I feel like I was thrown into my position without the proper training. Yes, I was onboarded by the university in terms of policies and procedures, but I don't feel like I've been given the right tools to succeed in my actual department role. What are some things I should do to feel better equipped to contribute and understand my role and the department culture? Chris, what are your thoughts on this question? This is a good question that everyone who starts a new job might ask themselves. Organizations should have a good orientation and onboarding process, you know, orientation being all of the kind of the paperwork and procedures and things of that sort. And onboarding tends to relate to all the things that a person needs to do to get off to a good start. Usually onboarding has three components. It's orientation and onboarding to the job, to the team, and to the organization. The organization is usually about culture. The team is usually about the people and how things are done, you know, around here. And obviously the job is simply the duties, tasks, and responsibilities. Organizations may do that well. Sometimes supervisors will own that process regardless of what the organization does. You've seen leaders walk people around to the different parts, you know, the enterprise and make introductions or, you know, spend a day or two just showing people where the bathroom is and how to do this or how to do that sort of thing. But whether the organization does it well or not, this is your success, right? This is your career, your responsibility, and everything around it really helps you. So if your organization had a formal program, certainly follow that. If it doesn't, if it has a semi-formal or loosey-goosey one, do that. And if it doesn't have anything really robust, certainly create your own. But for the former two, you should supplement what the organization does in either situation. So you want to make sure you get off to a good start. I would say the number one thing you should do is create a checklist. So right now you're probably thinking, if I start a new job, I need to know this, I need to do this, that sort of thing. So the internet is full of checklists. You can just put in, you know, orientation or onboarding checklist and whatever the institution does, you don't have to duplicate with things that it doesn't do. Then you have your own checklist to kind of guide you through the process. So that's an overall idea. Within the content of that, everyone needs two or three people or entities to help them be successful. One is a buddy who is someone who does the same kind of work, right? Because you got to learn the job. Then you need someone in HR because those people are going to help you with the paperwork, the procedures. I always use examples like the discounts available to employees and policies related to starting a new job or relocation or whatever. And you can really spend a lot of money and make some mistakes in that process because you didn't know that this was available. So certainly having a contact in HR. And then you need somebody who's outside of your department. And usually the person outside of your department can be a number of different things. It could be someone, let's assume you're a minority or you're LGBTQ or you're a person from the South and you're in Chicago. You need someone who's different than you, who has access to information that you wouldn't see and someone kind of like you in that you want to be able to build community. So that other could be one person or it could be multiple others because you're trying to get oriented to the area. 
And there's some things you wouldn't know unless you were a certain kind of background. So, for example, if you're Jewish, whatever, you would want to know where the local synagogue is, you know, or what are the different faith traditions in the communities and, you know, and the different personalities of the different communities where you might want to live or worship or whatever the case may be. So having someone like you is so important, right? And then someone unlike you, because they will have access to information that you wouldn't know. So at the end of the day, you're, you're building your own kind of support system because others aren't necessarily going to build that for you. you got someone from HR, got someone from the department, you got some people outside. And that really kind of gives you a fabric of connectedness to the community to kind of get you going. So I always recommend that. If it's not done deliberately, then you have to kind of do it on your own. Sometimes things happen organically. The search committee members might reach out to you and you kind of want to latch on to them. Or sometimes people in the department or just people who are nice ambassadors on campus, they invite you out for coffee, accept all invitations, right? Because it helps you to build that kind of support system that makes people feel like they want to stay. A book I recommend, which is a classic now, it's called The First 90 Days. It talks about getting started. It's primarily focused on leaders and managers and getting off to a good start, but it applies to all employees as, you know, some, some good ideas. And then that checklist should also include all the to-do items. You know what they are, right? You know, all the policies and procedures or things related to one's job. You want to make sure that you, you know what, what's expected and required of you and policies and the procedures of the organization, how to use certain software, how to access people in other departments on campus and things like that. So it's a whole bunch of things, but those checklists really help you do those kind of three categories of things to get you going. Orientation to the job, orientation to the team or department, and orientation to the culture and the ways of doing business for the enterprise. And those groups of people really help on the latter. I love your advice, Chris. And I don't know how you feel, Andy and Chris, but I think part of being successful in your role is feeling yep. like you belong. And I think, Chris, what you're saying is building that support system is is so important. And sometimes forcing yourself to get out of your comfort zone. I know you said it's, it's great if people are reaching out to you to invite you for coffee, but what if they're not? So I would encourage people to kind of take that first step and invite someone out for lunch. You know, find that person that does similar roles or like you said, find that person that is, is different than you that you can you can connect with. So, and the other thing I wanted to advise people is to give yourself a little grace I mean, we've all started new positions. It's overwhelming. There's a lot to learn. There's, you know, not only the the role and, you know, the, the software and, and how to get across campus and acronyms. I remember, you know, starting on a campus and yeah. every different building, every different department had a different acronym. But if you give yourself a little grace to know that it's going to be okay, it might take a little time and to push yourself a little bit and reach out to other people, I think that'll lead to a little bit more of the the belonging and feeling like you made a, a good decision in yes. taking that role. I think you're spot on, Kelly and Chris. I think you absolutely nailed exactly how to go about orienting and educating yourself to be successful in the role. I probably just add a couple thoughts to that. One being, I love the idea of the checklist, Chris. I've always kind of talked about when you're talking about negotiating a position, having a checklist. But in addition to that, I actually like, in the case of maintaining your resume or CV, to always be adding to your resume and CV mm. in real time. You write an article, you add it to your CV then. You don't just do that when you're in an active job search. I would actually say on this checklist, I would say as you learn different things about how to do your position better, 
you keep looking at that checklist and adding to it in between positions. Mm. And if you're ready for the 200 level or graduate level class on how to really vet through whether a position is right for you, I always think the right time to talk about onboarding is during the interview. Because I think it really speaks in real time to the institution's commitment to your success and the team's success in doing it. It should be in the institution's best interest to see you be successful. Have they set you up that way? Now, what I will say, in some instances, it might look a little loosey-goosey, I think was the phrase you used, Chris. And if it's going to look that way, I wouldn't take it necessarily as, oh, I should avoid this position. But I think actually having that conversation earlier will force leadership to think more importantly about what they should be doing with you to set you up for success at that point. The ability to hit the ground running, I think it was that first 90 days, is so, so key. I think it establishes your credibility within the organization, with every type of constituent that you have to serve, and can really be the make or break. A bad first 90 days sometimes can be really hard to overcome. A good 90 days really sets you up to grow in that position and be a great contributor to the team. Oh, absolutely. So let me start there and work backwards. The research shows for employees is very similar to that for students, that people really make a decision in the first 90 days, whether they feel like a wolverine or a spider or a member of the wolf pack, right? And that's the key, right? Is that sense of belonging that you said, Kelly, did I come in in such a way and people treat me in such a way that I feel like I could stick and stay here? Students who don't feel like they belong, they decide then that they're going to transfer, right? Or they're going to drop out. And employees is the same thing, you know, and as Andrew said, it's really hard to overcome a shaky foundation. So those first 90 days are really important and working with others is important. Now, I think one should co-opt their leader into this process. Every leader wants their staff member or, or faculty member to feel like they belong and get off to a good start. But sometimes they're distracted. Well, most of the time they're distracted, right? There's a whole lot of things going on. And even if they do a good job, that doesn't mean they're going to do a complete job. So if one has a checklist of things that they want to look into or do or have access to, and if they share that with their supervisor, the supervisor is going to, one, feel a little guilty, like, oh, man, I wish I thought of that first. But they're going to say, oh, absolutely. This is a good idea. You should meet the people in that department. Oh, yeah, we should get you exposure to that technology. So it really helps them see through and get prompted to ensure that you have a good onboarding process. And they'll probably come up with some things not on that checklist as well, because you know, you've taken the initiative to bring it to their attention and they'll realize, yeah, you know, the stuff that we normally do is good, but it's not complete. And who knows what's complete, right? Because it is a big process. And in some ways in higher ed, it may take a whole year for you to get fully oriented to a job because big universities are, I mean, they're amazingly complex enterprises and it's kind of hard to find your way within them. Smaller communities is a little more negotiable, but that's where personal relationships might matter most and the right introductions will matter. Well, thank you, Chris. I think this is a great conversation. We could keep going on and on. And thank you to the listener who sent this question. It's a fantastic question and a, an amazingly important part of folks' success when they land a new role. So thanks for bringing it to our attention. Thanks for being with us, Chris. My pleasure, as always. To our listeners out there, these Ask the Expert episodes are some of our favorite episodes we get to do. 
Thank you for sending these questions. And if you have questions for our experts, please feel free to email them to podcast at higheredjobs.com or feel free to send us a tweet over at Higher Ed Jobs. We would love to hear what you think would be a great question for our experts. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for joining us for the second season of the Higher Ed Jobs podcast. We're taking a short break, so enjoy the summer and revisit some of our earlier episodes. We'll resume on August 15th with a very special guest. Thanks again for listening, and send us some questions you'd like answered next season. We look forward to talking with you soon.